0: By the time you hit John chapter 12, Jesus is literally in the shadow of the cross. We'll continue our examination of John chapter 12 today, here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. By John chapter 12, the clarity of the cross is vivid And here in John chapter 12, we see some signs that the cross is eminent, one of them being an open door to the Gentiles. Jesus, in fact, says that the design and desire of Gentiles to see him, that the time has now come. And that is quite significant, as we're finding out today on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Welcome to the program. Let's catch up with Pastor Phil now in John chapter 12. We're looking at verses 20 through 36. Here's Pastor Phil. He says,
1: there's three things I plan to accomplish at the cross. Three things. And he says, verse 31, Now judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. He was saying this to indicate the kind of death by which he was to die. He said, Three things will happen in my crossword. Many more things were accomplished. But he wants us to know these three things. Number one, the world will be judged by the cross. Christ said in John 3, I did not come to judge you. Uh, I, that's not my ministry. He'll say it in the rest of chapter 12. I didn't come to judge, but I came to save. It's this way. You send your boy with a message to your disgruntled neighbor. Let's quit this squabbling. And to just stretch the illustration, your neighbor kills your boy. I think the answer is self-evident. I'm not interested. God sends the son. Son, offer him salvation. Tell him you're the Messiah. You're the shepherd. And when we send him back to heaven with five wounds in his body, we gave the answer to God, your best isn't good enough. If that's the best you can do, we're going to treat him like a dirty dog outside the city walls of Jerusalem. We'll crucify him next to the city dump. That's what we think about your best. Every man will go to hell just for the cross. Nothing else. You're going to hell Because of the cross. If you reject that love and reject that gift, you will spend eternal damnation in eternity away from God. If God's best wasn't good enough for you, you've been judged. And some of you are here today, you'd rather go to hell than to come to Jesus. And you will go to hell. Because God has nothing better to offer. He's put His offer out, His final offer. I brought Jesus to die in your place. And he's already in agony at the price he will pay. And for you to dare say he's not good enough. And they will say that in chapter 12. We don't want him. We don't want him. Israel has been saying it for 2,000 years. And the nations have joined. What's amazing in the story. One group of people emerge that want to see him in the context. While the Jewish nation is hunting him down to kill him, the Greeks come and say, we want to see you. And the way the gospel developed, while the Jews slammed the door in the face of God, guess what he did? He heard a bunch of Gentiles saying, we've been dogs, we've been without covenant, we've been staggering in darkness for centuries, giving to us. We'll take what they don't want. And guess what? He has saved millions of Gentiles for these last 2,000 years. Because his son will not die in vain. Second thing he accomplished at the cross, he cast Satan out. He undid him in some way so that the cross did several things to Satan. Hebrews 2 said it destroyed his power To instill fear in the children of God when it comes time to die. He destroyed his power in that arena. He also stripped him. He knows this. He's been sentenced at the cross. And the full execution will be executed in Revelation 20. When he's incarcerated in the lake of fire forever. But he's still out on bail. He's still operating. But it's interesting in Revelation 12, when the dragon that's in the heavens is cast down to the earth, which is Satan, and he begins to persecute those that are believers in that time, especially the nation of Israel. As he's persecuting them, killing them, and tracking them down, there's an interesting thing it says in chapter 12, verse 10 and 11. They overcame the dragon on account of The blood of the Lamb. You can overcome the power of hell through the cross of Christ. There's no one here so demonized. No one here has had so many demons in your body or in your marriage or in your life that the cross does not break its power. For Christ at the cross broke the back of Satan, and there is no power greater than the blood of the slain Lamb of God. He sets free every kind of sinner. Oh, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood. We used to sing a song, Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. That is so much um, witchcraft if you don't know what blood stands for. The blood stands for the shed blood of Christ on the cross for our sins. And he said to the woman, when paradise was stripped from the first couple, when pain and death were coming to them, and when they're going to bury a boy in Genesis 4, God snuck in the garden and said, Come here, Eve. Come here. I'm going to give you a boy. And when he comes, he is going to put his foot on the head of the serpent. And he's going to grind his head. The serpent will bite his heel. But he will grind him under his foot. There's one coming. Sojourner Truth went to a convention. Where she wasn't allowed to speak. Because she was black. And she was outspoken. Abolitionist. And they wouldn't let her speak. And finally, somewhere there was a break in the, the time. And she got up. And you weren't allowed to speak. Women didn't even have the vote. She finally got the floor. Sojourner was about 6'2". She was a tall woman. Strong. Thin. From hard work. She got up and said, I know I'm just a woman. I know I don't get to vote. I knows that I'm black. But when God wanted to do something for the race, he didn't even use a man. He used a woman. He didn't say the seed of a man would crush the serpent's head. He said the seed of the woman. Oh, you women ought to be shouting. She said, if if my body and if my species and my gender was used by God to bring Messiah to crush the serpent, that's good enough for me. Joseph, I don't need your help. I don't need your seed. I know how to make seed. I'm going to borrow her female A to bring the humanity of Messiah to the world. And he did it. He stripped Satan. Third thing he did, he paid for the sin that would draw all men to him. Because he said, I came to get a harvest. And to get a harvest, I've got to die for the sins of all that will be in my crop. And so he said, I must be lifted up, and I will draw all men. Men from every kindred tribe and tongue will be drawn to my cross work. He was saying this to indicate the kind of death he was to die. Satan, you're defeated. Sin, you've been paid for, for he was lifted up like the serpent in the wilderness, and God cursed him to make me a part of his crop everybody that's going to be in his flock and in his home for eternity, he paid and bought when he was lifted up on the cross. Satan was dealt his blow. The world was judged and my sins were judged so that I have become attracted to a lifted up, crucified, buried, risen, coming again Savior. That's who I'm following. I want to ask you, all of that is glorious. How are you doing in following him? Are you following him very well? Or do you just want heaven? You don't want him. A lot of people just want heaven. You know, don't ask anybody, do you want to go to heaven? They'd have to be out of their head to say no. But that doesn't mean they want Jesus. Are you willing to follow Him? I give two examples. Some of you are still in that container, and you're still that seed that's never been buried. And we look around you, we see no service. and we see no crop. We look around you; there's no aroma of Christ because you're still in. You're safe. Spurgeon said, "Where did the Bible say we're to land in heaven?" As well-preserved sacrifices, he said. I thought we were the land there, divested of everything that we gave her all. Our family loved it, loved a, a black preacher named Brown. My dad used to tell this story with tears, that uh, Brother Brown was uh, grew up in the South, called to preach. Oh, this is probably thirties; could be earlier. But times were hard, depressions going on, Dust Bowl is happening up in Kansas and Amarillo. And uh, when Brother Brown said he got saved, he said, I was saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost and called to preach the same night. So he got it all at once. And and he knew times were hard and he, he felt God wanted him to go out and start preaching and He told Sister Brown, "Uh, you stay home with your people and I'll send you what offerings I get because it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. I don't want you out there suffering and I don't know what's ahead. Sister Brown, with tears running down her face, looked at him. She said, do you think Jesus would care if I suffered too? Would Jesus care if I suffered alongside of you? I'm not afraid to suffer for Jesus. I don't need the comfort of my parents' home. If you're going to have a hard time of it preaching Christ, I join. I I want to suffer too. Would you be willing to suffer any inconvenience to reach this hell-destined generation that we're planted in the middle of? Some of you, oh, uh, it's over for America. Obama went back in. Shame on you. But you weren't appointed to place men into power. You were appointed to pray for whoever he puts in power. I thought God set up kings and brought them down. I thought we had a few Calvinists that believed in sovereignty. Oh, he's the Antichrist. So what? Pray for him. God picked him. You didn't. I see, you. will you witness? Well, I don't know about that. I think uh, a moving story. My brother wrote. Uh, my sister did a biography background on her family, and my brother Paul wrote a moving story that my sister, my, my wife, and I she often we read it, and, and we've never got through it without weeping, especially Carolyn because she loves to reach children for the for Christ. Paul tells this story. Uh, I won't get it exactly. You talk to him. He's the author. It's where I got it. In the 30s, my dad was working on the Friant Dam, just right out of Fresno. Uh, What lake is there? Millerton Lake is behind that dam. And uh, he was a dynamite monkey. Paul tells me those cuts in the side there were 300 feet high. They put a rope around him, put him over this cliff, and you take uh, a drill, drill these dynamite holes, put your powder in, set the charges Then you go and do another one. And I know I've seen family pictures because in that key, it would get so hot. There was no breeze that he took uh, salt tablets all the time. And so we have pictures of him, salt caked all over his body from just putting the water through his system. So much sweating. During that time, my dad made $36 a week, Paul tells me. Maybe a little bit less than a dollar an hour. But he taught a boy's class, and in that boy's class, he said, I'll give $5 to any boy that memorizes Psalms 23. The boys were pretty excited. Now, you imagine, $5, it would take my dad five days at about 10 hours a day to make five bucks, because Paul said he got paid less than a dollar an hour. Okay, but he said, you got you to gotta quote it perfectly. So, first week, the boy gets up. The other boys are kind of, you know, tickled because they don't even try. This boy tries first week. He blows it because he, he stumbled. He does it week after week until finally third or fourth week. Boom. He quoted it exact, all six verses. My father pulled out that five he had tucked away in the wallet and gave it to the boy. And said, son, you did a great job. Wonderful. Now this is about 1936. Uh, And my folks were living in a squatter hut. They had no shower. They bathed in the San Joaquin River. They were just squatters. They didn't even own the property. They just built a place. Well, time goes on. About 1946... Uh, a knock comes at our door in Richmond, California in the uh, war housing projects and this knock comes to the door Paul goes to the door says he's around 12 right in there and he goes to the door and you've got a guy standing there in full uniform and he says is there a Mr. Howard here? Paul said there sure is and he goes and he gets my dad my dad comes, not aware of who this is. And the man said, are, are you Lawrence Howard? Mr. Howard, did you work in Fryant? Were you, were you the man that taught? Yes, yes. The boy gave his name. They got reacquainted. He said, I just wanted to come by Mr. Howard and see you and tell you something. He said, you know, I fought at Normandy. I saw my boyfriends decapitated. Uh, I, I laid on a wet beach and had bullets going over my head three inches away all day, all night, soaking wet. And Mr. Howard, the only thing that comforted my heart when all the bullets were flying was what I memorized as a boy in your Sunday school class. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want He makes me lie down in green pastures. The $5 bill would have never done anything for the kingdom of God in his wallet. But it made a big difference in a boy on the beaches of Normandy that had nowhere to find comfort, but somebody made an investment. Somebody got out of the bag. Somebody said... I've got to die to my small ambitions. I've got to die in order to make men live. And the reason we're lousy evangelists and the reason we have minimal impact and we can grow old together as a church and not abound in young Marys, young people and new converts, ignorant, dumb, and dirty because we stuff the seed in the bag Because it's too costly to die to our ambitions. I'm always moved. We used to sing a song, where he leads, I will follow. Where he leads, I will follow. Follow all the way. I'll go with him through the garden. Oh my. Who went with him through the garden? They went to sleep. Judas forsook him. The disciples fled by the time the soldiers came. When I was trying to sing that song this week, I couldn't get through it. I'll go with you through the garden. I'm doing good to serve you in good times. can't imagine in the shadows of the cross. I think we're in the end times. I don't think we have long. And Jesus said at the end of this, The time for you to redeem is when the light is with you. And the light was standing before them. And you better come to Christ then. And I want to say to you now, there's light in this room. The gospel's being preached. Christ is being proclaimed. And you've watched God's people worship him. You better come to the light, for it's going to get darker in your life. The light's going out. And someday God's going to call his church and all the light bearing on the earth. He's going to catch it away. And there's going to be a dark night of tribulation. And you won't find any gospel preaching churches then. It'll be over. He's going to save a bunch of Jews in Israel. 144,000 of them. And they're going to evangelize the world. But you, you've got light now. And whatever you do with this light, you'll either become a son of light by believing, or it's going to get darker. One thing hell is not bothered with, and that is light. There will be no light in hell. If you don't choose the light, God will see you, will never see light for eternity. When, oh when, will you come to Christ? Or is he not good enough? Your friends look good. That chick you're dating looks good. Sex on the side looks good. Maybe getting high on the weekend looks good. Being popular with your friends looks good. At the judgment of God, God will line up everything you're choosing over Christ. And he will put the cross. And he said, This is what you chose over my best. you judged Because you wanted it, not my crucified son. I'll give it to you and them, and I will turn out the lights for eternity. I don't know how much longer you'll have light. I would run to it as soon as I could. For you may not be alive tomorrow. Our Father, it's terrible to see the lame excuses of people. For why they will not come to Christ. Sin. Money. Sex. Drugs. A million other competitors look better. But none of them would die for us. None of them satisfy ultimately. While there's light. While the gospel is shining. Would you command the darkness. That covers their heart. And the blindness that covers their eyes to be removed that they could see the glory, the glory, the glory that's in the face of Jesus. Oh, come to a glorious Christ. He's died once for all. He lives forever. And we will never have an impact until we're willing to die to ourself. And say our lives are to be expended in service to him. Help us to get over being frozen in the pew. And to get engaged for Christ. Before the light goes out. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.
0: And once again, we've come to the end of our time together here today on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. As we lock things up for another day of broadcasting, we do so with a a way to contact us here at Truth For Today. If you have a question, a prayer request, comment, we would love to pray for you. If you have a praise report about how the program is encouraging you in Christ, we'd love to hear that as well. A couple of ways to reach out to us. The easiest, of course, our phone number, 855-833-9864, or our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Now, you have another way to reach out to us, and that is, especially if you have a question or a praise report, that you would like Pastor Phil to answer. Well, simply take your voice memo app on that smartphone of yours, record your question along with who you are and where you're calling from, and then email that bit of audio to us at tftquestions at valleybible.org. Again, the email address is tftquestions at valleybible.org. So email that to us. We'll run it by Pastor Phil, and should we use it on the radio, we'll even let you know when. And as always, you can again reach out to us at our website, truthfortodayradio.org, or by calling 855-833-9864. You can also write to us, 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. As you partner with us financially, bear in mind that we are able to continue this radio ministry through you doing just that, joining other friends and family members of this ministry to ensure that this program continues its ministry in the Greater Bay Area. Please consider that as you reach out to us, and then join us next time for another broadcast of Truth for Today with Pastor Phil Howard.
1: Blessed,